Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransombello. We started from the basics of what we believe God wants us to do this year, which is to fall back to our spiritual maturity, and God is calling on that capacity in us to exemplify the life of Christ. So it was a call to grow. And we began a text from Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. For the benefit of those who were not here, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, I'll show you that before I delve into what we want to talk about today. Since we have so much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Next verse. Anyone who lives on milk, somebody say anyone. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a leader, long-time man of God, born again for 10 years, anyone is anyone. All right? Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So the next verse, let's see what it says. It says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use, that is by practice, by practice, constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. All right? So here the Bible says that understanding what it means to be grounded in the gospel is what qualifies your maturity. Because you are skilled in the word of righteousness. So being skilled in the word of righteousness, if you see the conversation before verse 11, it was talking about the priesthood of God, that these people were struggling to understand the priesthood of God. And the writer of Hebrews could not say anything further because they didn't get the point. Because if you don't understand the priesthood of God, then what other matter pertaining your salvation do you really want to understand? So he says, he says that because you have not understood the gospel, I can't say more to you. And in this house, we are taught the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ is your foundation. So you don't define maturity by activity. You define maturity by being skilled in the word of righteousness. That's your definition of maturity. Somebody say amen. Amen. So today, we're going to go on a journey which I believe will be a blessing to you this year. 
God has given us a word that is our year of celebration and enlargement. The sound is getting better now. And please, can I have a pen? So God has given us a word that it's our year of celebration and enlargement. Thank you. So I want you to say with me, it's my year of celebration and enlargement. You know, we said some things on Sunday that he's enlarging the ground where we're standing on. I read that scripture in Psalms chapter 18, verse 36. If you have it, shine. If you have it, put it on the multimedia. Thank you. It says, you enlarged my path under me so my feet did not sleep. And this is God's word to someone here this morning that he's given you assurance of where he has kept you. Because the gift and the callings of God, they are without repentance. Somebody say amen. Amen. So he says, you enlarge my path under me so that my feet did not sleep. Let's see the message version of this. I like the message version. It says, you cleared the ground under, under me so my footing was firm. You know, the blessings of God... Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And it is beautiful. There is no sorrow attached to the blessings of God. So I want you to know that what God has promised you in your life, he's going to fulfill. Who is saying amen to that? Yes. Help me give this to Nat so that he can. Then... We also said that he's enlarging our hearts. First Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. First Kings chapter 4 and verse 29. <laughs> he's enlarging our hearts. Let's, let's read that together. And God gave Solomon. Are you together here? Let's read it together. One to go. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceeding great understanding a largeness of heart, like the sand of the seashore. You see, there is no greatness without a great vision. There is no greatness without a great mind. There is no greatness without a great heart for what God is giving you. Are you still here? Okay. So many, many of you, God is telling you to do some things, but because your minds are small, you're reducing the capacity or the potential of God in you to your mind. But God says that I'm giving you largeness of heart. The moment Solomon became king and he was going to rule over a nation, God gave him a large heart. So that's what he's calling you to today. Are you still here? All right. Then also he gave us largeness of mouth. We've talked about largeness of ground. We've talked about the largeness of the heart. We've talked about the largeness of your mouth. So let's see. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1. No, 2 and verse 1. 
not one and two. Yes, it's, and Hannah prayed. Somebody say Hannah prayed. And said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. Use the King James Version. It, it, it highlights the word that I want to pick out there. It says, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is what? Enlarged over mine enemies. Because I rejoice in thy salvation. So this year, you will be rejoicing in anticipation of what you want God to do and be in your life. It's called largeness of mouth. You must have a large mouth. I don't mean literally, amen. You must have a large, if you already do now, praise God for you. But you must have a large mouth this year. Don't Don't let Satan talk. And you are responding with your thoughts. You respond to his words which are thoughts in your mind with words. You speak back when he talks. Because he's giving you largeness. That's that's David. David kept on speaking. So who is this small boy coming before me? I'm going to feed you to the dogs. David, he talked back. Small boy, teenager. Says, who are you to defy the army of the living God? I will cut off your neck. Listen, don't mistake arrogance for assurance. Assurance of who you are in Christ is not arrogance. There are many things about Jesus that if he didn't tell you about himself, you will not have known who he is. Because he said, I am. I'm not talking to people this morning. Jesus said, I am the way of, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He wasn't bragging. He was just sure of who he is. So can I, let's see, boast in the Lord this year. Come on now. Boast in the Lord. This is not arrogance. Arrogance is when you are saying something that you don't have. or, Or talking what you are not. That's arrogance. So stop pretending this year. What is pretense? Pretense is saying who you are not in Christ. So when you say I'm afraid, you are pretending. When you say I am broke, it's a pretentious talk because let the poor say. That's the way we talk in Zion. You must have largeness of mouth. Uh huh. <laughs> you must have largeness of mouth. You must talk your way. All right. Let your life follow the direction of your mouth. The Bible says, "Faith calleth those things that be not as though they were." Before Jesus died, and he would be raised by the Father, he kept on saying, "Destroy this temple. Three days, I will build it back." He kept on talking, prophesying about his death, prophesying about his resurrection. So you must have largeness. I'm the healed of God. I am blessed. What is the lamb that was slain? To receive power. To receive riches. 
you must learn how to talk, to receive glory, to receive honor, to receive blessings. The lamb was slain for me. And because of that, I enter into my glory. Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah, because the Bible speaks of the glory that should follow the sufferings of Christ. You are not called to partake in that particular suffering. What is after the suffering is the glory. So he says that the glory follows the sufferings. So he says, what is the land that was slain? I have received glory. It's your year to be glorified. Somebody say amen. amen. So, largeness of mouth. But today, I want to talk about building spiritual capacity for the year. You need it. Somebody say spiritual capacity. Building spiritual capacity for the year. Man is a tripartite being. You are essentially spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. Now, if you invest a whole lot more in your body, your soul, without your spirit, you're going to dwarf your spirit. And there are certain things that God would require of you that will come from a spiritual place. So that is the reason why in this year, you must build spiritual capacity. The things that you know five years ago and you haven't changed, you haven't grown from what you know, you're going to know more. But it won't come accidentally to you. It will come by your personal engagement of the things of God. Because God is desiring of you to grow this year. You know, I said something last week. I said, there is nothing like future. In a sense, don't get me wrong. Has the future ever come to you before? Today is the future. So there are certain things God wants you to engage in. Take advantage of the now, of the present. So let's see Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. We'll start from there. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Let's see the next verse. It says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Next verse. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. Use the NIV version and go back to verse 7. 
It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Stay on verse 7. Now, this is New Testament. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) Because many times, those of us who are taught the gospel, we do not see the responsibility that grace puts on us. The grace of God upon your life confers upon you um, his position of acceptance towards you and the fact that he has given to you all things that pertains to life and godliness. So you have an eternal gift, salvation, forgiveness of sins, blessings on all sides. It is positional with you. But why is it that believers don't experience the same level of position that we have in Christ? And we all have different degrees of the expression of the blessings and the grace of God upon our lives. Why? Because some make investment on spiritual matters while others don't. We're all going to the same heaven. But not everybody is having the same robe. Not everybody is making the same investments. So Paul is writing to the Galatian church. He says, don't be deceived. Because you must understand that God is not a respecter, first of all, of persons. God is not mocked that whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. First thing I want you to know is that everybody here is sowing something. Whether you are conscious of of it or not, you are sowing. You are planting. Your life is a farm field that is filled with seeds of planting by your thoughts or your actions, which will eventually give rise to your outcomes in life. There There are two kinds of wheels, basically, the wheels of God. There is, firstly, the sovereign will of God. Secondly, there is the will of command. I think I've taught this before a while ago. The will of decree or the sovereign will of God is that part of God's will that will happen in your life regardless of what you do or what you don't do. Because the sovereignty of God is a part of God that must be committed to his purpose and to his will. So God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God will see to it that even an unbeliever or someone who is outside of the will of God is a part of a project or a part of a or, or an agenda of God. That without you even knowing, God is using you to accomplish a task. That's the sovereign will of God. But there is another kind of will of God, which is the will of command. Which your engagement in the things of God, your engagement in spiritual principles brings you into manifestation of his will as written in his word. So, you can be a believer knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but not conscious of certain things that are written about you. You stand not to experience those things. 
So whether you like it or not, everybody is sowing. Everybody is planting a seed. You are a farmer. And this year we're going to plant deliberate seeds that will lay harvest in the future, which God will say, this is the outcome of your investments, of your capacity building, because you are intentional about my love for you. That's what we're talking about today. Now, apart from the fact that everybody is sowing something or everybody is planting something, anything can be a seed. Anything can be a seed. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the seed is the word of God. Matthew chapter 13. It says the farmer went to sow a seed. And some 100%, some 60%, some 30%. Then when he was explaining the parable, he said that the seed is the word of God. But if you look at this scripture, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. King James says, whatever. So allow me to borrow a thought from this scripture because the context in which this verse is written is in the area of giving. But allow me to borrow the concept of sowing and reaping in this context. So it says whatever. Meaning that whatever can be a seed. When you are sowing, you are sowing. You know, the ground does not choose your seed. The ground does not say because your seed is a mistake. I won't take it in. The ground takes your seed whether you are sowing it intentionally or not. So whatever is a seed. When you wake up in the morning and all you think about are carnal stuff, it is a seed. If all you think about is spiritual stuff, it is a seed. Your decisions are a seed. Your intentions are a seed. Those things that you have brought to bear, your feelings that you have brought to bear, they are seeds. And the Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. (laughs) For whatsoever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. I'm not talking about your position. I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about your experience here on life or in life. Now, the Bible here gives us two kinds of atmospheres that will harvest or take in your seed or that will take in your seed. The first one is the flesh and the second one is the spirit. So let's see the next verse. It says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. Let's go back to the um, King James Version. I like the word corruption there. It says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Your carnal desires, 
These are environments. These are climates that take in your seed. And the flesh is not also limited to sinful desires, but the flesh can be things like fear. It's a climate. When you have fearful thoughts of the future, thoughts of anxiety, it's a seed. That's why you cannot allow certain things grow in your spirit. When the devil begins to speak to you, you must know that those things are a seed. Jesus never took lightly the words that Satan said to him. If you are the son of God, turn the stone to bread. Ah, small thing, Satan. I'm the one who destroyed him. In the beginning was the word. I am the word in the beginning. No, he didn't take Satan lightly. He spoke back. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone. Because he needed to deal with that thought in his heart. If I'm the son of God, turn the stone to bread. Everything is a seed. Your kindness is a seed. Offense is a seed. God is trying to expand your mind. And when when you see expansion with people, you give a negative reason for why they are making progress in life. That's a seed. You are indirectly saying that when expansion is supposed to come to you, it will dodge you because you have reasons why it should not come to others. A lady comes to church and gives testimony. Say, praise the Lord. The doctor said I could not give birth again. But I really thank God because today God has healed me and I'm carrying a baby and I'm yet to deliver. And you are there sitting down and say, now you go talk true. What you true true you do. It's a seed because you are indirectly pursuing the miraculous from your life. There are people who don't believe in testimonies. It's a seed. There are people who don't think that God can work in a certain kind of way. It's a seed. There are people who think that for everything in life you must work for it. It's a seed. You must begin to open your harvest. Open your heart to kinds of seed that expresses the possibilities of God. It's a seed. There are people who believe that it's only by medication and doing exactly what the doctor says that they stay healthy. But they have not learned to put faith and anchor on what the word says about their health. It's a seed because a time can come, medicine can fail. You're not going to wait till that time. There are certain things that you need to build your faith on from now. It is a seed. The way you think is a seed. Quick to offense is a seed you are sowing. Everybody is sowing something. Everybody is planting. And guess what? God cannot be mocked. Because whatsoever a man sows, he's going to reap. The Bible says that he's a rewarder 
of them that diligently seek him. When I see the word reward there, it speaks of your merits. For God is a rewarder. And this is talking about your works. Because I've taught before that your works cannot save you. I mean, your works cannot save you, but you are saved to do good works. So, your good works must be rewarded and will be rewarded. I was talking to a few friends in, in the US, I think it was the day before yesterday. We're talking about eternal judgment. The seven kinds of judgment. We're talking about the crowns. We're talking about rewards. By the time I finished with them, I made them see that God has every detail of seeds and investments spiritually that you made. God is not blinded by your works. That's why if you read down, it says, be not weary in well-doing. For in due time, oh God, if you don't faint, you will reap the harvest. So don't be deceived. The days where you do something and nobody says thank you, you are sowing seeds that God himself will honor. So let me show you some things that this year you're going to invest in. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, number 1. Write this one down. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. The King James Version. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So the first thing this year that I want you to invest in is the word. Okay? You are going to spend time to grow in the word. Born again for five years, but you can't teach the gospel. Born again, you were born in a family of ministers of the gospel. You were born in a Christian family. But you don't even have what it takes to share the word from depth and revelation. The riches of the grace of God. It's time for you to personally go deep in God's word for yourself. Because it's a seed. It's a seed. And they continued steadfastly. The first thing you see there is doctrine. What is our doctrine here? The gospel. It is, it is time for you to dig deep in God's word. The song that we always sing. Be it unto me. The, what Mary said when she was talking to the angel. She said be it unto me according to your word. According to your promises, uh, be it unto me according to your word. But the songwriter says, according to your promises, that I stand secure, carve upon my heart the truth that sets me free. You know what it means to carve? To carve means to inscribe. Sometimes our hearts are so callous that the word needs to be carved on our hearts. So this year, you're going to spend time to meditate on God's word until you become one with God's word. That is, your spirit is so intertwined with God's word, like I said last week, that your reflexes becomes the scripture. And that personal commitment and study in God's word is going to call on your devotion. 
So certain decisions this year that I must make is my personal study. I'm not just talking about coming to church to hear the word of God. My personal study. Somebody say my personal study. Very important. The Bible says rise, shine for your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. You only rise and shine according to the degree of light that comes to you. Arise, shine for your light has come. How do you rise? It is because light has come. And what is light? Revelation. When revelation hits your spirit, then you begin to rise. Then you begin to shine. The reason why people know some things in the scripture but can't live their life is because they lack revelation. Revelation is what moves you from head knowledge to life. Revelation is what moves you from I know it but I can't do it. Revelation moves you from I know it to I can do it. Revelation moves you to practice. That's what revelation does. And like I said last week, you cannot be in revelation and go back. So this is a call to personal study of God's word. Do you know that the word of God is so interesting that the more you search, the more you go deep, you just want to keep going. You just want to keep going. I'm not saying open a church or open a sign or get a signboard and start a ministry. I'm talking about you because you need to feed your spirit man. Somebody say amen. If you read Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets. (laughs) I will start upon my watch and set myself on the rampart to see what he will say to me. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Tablets are like stone. But when he says make the vision plain on tablets, it means that you would inscribe and you would inscribe, you would inscribe. That is, you would say the same things over and over until your spirit gets it. That's what we're talking about. It is time to invest in God's word. It is time to go deep in the gospel. So that you won't believe another thing. See, believe the gospel to the point that the gospel is your only option. There is no going back on the gospel. There is no going back on God's word. I believe what God's word says in my life. Glory to God. So the second thing in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. And what's the second one there? And fellowship. Let's say that together. Fellowship. It is important. Fellowship this year is a part. You know, the body of Christ is not just a vertical relationship. The body of Christ is also a horizontal relationship. God has called us to a family. Okay? So God didn't just call you um, to become one with Christ. He called you to belong to a family. So I'm not just called to become I'm also called to belong. So it's important. Fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. Fellowship. This year, fellowship is important. It's key for your growth. There are some things that can never happen by your own personal devotion. Some things. There are other things that will happen 
in the community or the gathering of accentuated faiths of believers who are like-minded like you that will come together in an atmosphere of worship, atmosphere of praise, atmosphere of faith, and then God does certain miracles in your life. Some things never happen when you watch online. But some things happen when you are in the presence of the gathering of the saints. As um, Psalms chapter 133, Psalms 133 verse 1. I'll show you there. Verse 1. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Very important. Then look at verse 2. When we come together to dwell in unity, it, it says, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. Verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. So there are certain things that are commanded in the gathering. There are certain things that happen in the assembly of the believers. So God wants you to take fellowship seriously. You're coming to church every morning, Sunday morning, Wednesday evenings. It's a seed. You are planting a seed even in the face of inconvenience. But when you know you can make it, you tell yourself, I will not sit back at home, but I will be in church. That's a seed. Many of you are products and outcomes of seeds that other people have sown. Some of you are seeds or products rather of seeds that your parents have even sown. When I was living Benin, my father said to me, he son, um, I thought that I was going to go to Lagos. So my father said to me, son, go to Abuja because the path is cleared for you. It was a few years later he explained that for me. He said that I had... There are certain things that I have done and on my account, Abuja is open to you. On my account. That's what he was explaining to me. On my account. Because by the time he was about my age and he was taking the harvest in Kano, breaking hard grounds in Kano, an Islamic state where people were coming to Christ in their hundreds of thousands, those were seeds even for his unborn children. That will follow in his footsteps serving the Lord. There are some of the things that you do right now. They are seeds for your unborn children. Everything you do. And don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be mocked. Those days of praying. Those days of fasting. They are seeds. Now, you will see where the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, be not weary in well-doing. Why does it say don't be weary? Because there are no present effects when you are sowing. It doesn't look like something is happening. It just feels like there is activity, but there is no result. Listen, be patient while you are sowing. Because if you don't faint, you shall reap. Somebody say Hallelujah. There are certain things that I saw come easy to my life because I knew people prayed. 
People fasted for me. People waited on God for me. And that's what you are even doing for your children today. You are sowing seeds today. Somebody say amen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reminded. Oh, my mother-in-law is here. I, I was going to celebrate her. I just kept my mind. My mother-in-law was telling me of a story. My father, I think this was probably back in the 80s, early 80s. She was telling me of a story how when my father was coming to preach back then in Kano, because um, my wife's father is under the Deeper Life Ministry Port Harcourt, my father under the Deeper Life Ministry Kano. So when my father is coming to preach in the headquarters Lagos, my wife's mother is sharing handbills, inviting people to come and hear Pastor Ransom Velo before even my wife was born. So, Ashata. Now, so who knows? She probably was sowing seeds. Nobody knew. Yeah. They were holding prayer meetings with, do you understand? See, so she, she, she would share, you know, tracts. Come and hear the gospel. Come and hear the, the, meanwhile, her unborn child is going to be married to the man who is coming to preach. <laughs> Listen, if you don't, I just woke some of you up now. The one I was saying before, you didn't hear now, yeah? If you don't see results, don't stop, oh. Don't, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be deceived. God cannot be, let's say that together. God cannot be mocked. When I was with Bishop Wale, I, I served in the church with all my heart. You know, I gave my all in the service. Everything. Money. Because I just started working then. What was a young boy doing with that much money? Much money relatively at the time when I was seven. <laughs> what was a young boy doing? So most of it, I was sowing. I was giving my time, giving my life. I didn't know that I was preparing myself for a harvest in Abuja. The Bible did not assure you that where you sow is where you will reap. It says what you sow is what you reap. It can be a different place. And it could be directed to a different person. It can be your son. It can be your daughter. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. There are some painful things that you go through. Sometimes those gifts of pain is a blessing. Because those are seeds that God is bringing you to sow. Because he who sows in tears. Oh, Kabaya. Come and play the piano for me. Just very soft. He who sows in tears will reap in joy. I'm telling you. So this year, take fellowship seriously. Seriously. You know, when Pastor Chris is doing stuff like atmosphere of miracles, it's really atmosphere for miracles. Because there's a certain atmosphere you come into. When one person gets healed, 
it triggers the faith of another person. Another sick person in the building says, ah, if this lame person can walk, I too can be healed. And the person begins to move his body. That's why it's called atmosphere for miracles. There are certain climates that kill faith. There are certain gatherings that destroys faith. You don't, guys, don't worry. Guys, don't worry. Sit down, guys. Sit down. Aiken, you guys sit down. Hear the word. There are certain gatherings that destroy faith. There was a place Jesus went to. The Bible says that Jesus could not do any miracle. He could not. Why? Over familiarity. The spirit of sea finish. Where did Jesus go to? Jesus went to his village, his hometown. And scripture says that there were all kinds of things there. But he will lay hands. They didn't, they didn't get well. It's in the Bible. He says that he could not perform any miracle. Because while he was praying for the sick, some of them were saying, is this not the carpenter's son? Not be this small boy of yesterday. So the Bible says that he could not do any miracle. It's a, it's, a, it's a negative climate that destroys faith. That's why when you come to church, you are coming because, you, you see, you, what your brother carries, you don't carry. Paul describes this thing as a body. The hand is not the eye. The eye is not the belly. The belly is not the liver. The liver is not the kidney. You may be kidney, I may be finger. Which one are you? Are you still here now? You may be, but we are a body because when one is the other one will walk. So that's why when we gather, it, it, it's, it's like muffin time. Did you watch Power Rangers? It's muffin time. Kimberly will come. Zach will come. Kai, this thing is too old for some people. Then everybody will bring their own machine and form one mighty giant. And the giant will now, where is that dragon? And it will take on the dragon. But it is we coming together. It is a spiritual thing. You don't see it. Because when you are lifting up holy hands. And another person is doing the same. You are not seeing the spiritual effect happening. It's spiritual. Sometimes I, 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 I honestly. I'm pastor. Sometimes I, I don't feel. The, I don't feel the same way every time. I just want to be in the presence. You guys help me. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm, I want to come to you quickly so that we can both be of comfort to each other. So that I comfort you and you comfort me. Paul needed comfort from the people he was preaching to. There was a man Jesus wanted to heal. And the Bible says that in, in Bethsaida, the blind man, they brought this man to Jesus. Jesus took this man by the hand led the man out of the village by the time he was out of the village he now spat on the floor makes it made clay put it on the man's eye then the man could see so I kept asking my, myself the question why didn't Jesus heal this man in the village there are some places that kill faith anything that crumbles your Eba. Anything that, 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 that makes you see Christ as a second thought. Anything that gives Christ a second place in your life. If it's a location, if it's an association, watch it. 
the mark on it because you need to prioritize and make important what needs to be important in your life somebody say amen you must give attention to fellowship don't let don't let anything kill fellowship in your life he says do not forsake the assembly of the believers so this year give attention to God's word personally secondly give attention to fellowship thirdly you see the breaking of bread there he's talking about your communion he's talking about community as well he's talking about unity be an agent of unity this year not because of you people are quarreling wherever you are there is contention you have to calm down this year because you see that thing you are doing is a seed talk to me that's why they call it sowing seeds of discord there are some people they don't even need to talk they just need to appear they are already discord by themselves you are a problem you are a problem he said pastor leave me to be myself I don't want you to be yourself I want you to be like Christ Wednesday that Christ is the standard of your maturity it's not about your praying and fasting you're praying and fasting and you have bad behavior bad character you kill people's faith you make others crumble in their faith and in their devotion their work with God you are a problem I was going to ask you tell your neighbor are you you, but (laughs) let's leave that let's leave that let's leave that that's why Paul was writing in Philippians he said please help me help my two sisters Sintike and is it Yodias or is it help them because these two ladies whose names are written in the book of life help me reconcile them because they have labored with me it told me that you can be a laborer in the house of God but you are not exempted from offenses. Offense is one of the quickest way of the devil to creep into a house and break the house. That he does not even respect your maturity sometimes. If pastor can be offended, who are you not? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, who are you? So you must watch against offenses this year. Because nothing must contaminate your climate. Everything is a seed. All these years where I've been taking rubbish. Now is I will give them as as he comes. I go to give them. That thing you are saying is a seed. That feeling is a seed. Back to back. As in a hot. It's a seed. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Somebody say uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Listen, the highest level of maturity, the, the way we know you are mature, is love. 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 John 13 verse 33 and 34. It says, a new commandment I give you. Love. Your brothers. As I have loved you. Love as I have loved you. First John also teaches that we know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. The only people you know how to love are, are those who are keen to you. 
Those who like you are those who you love. My friend, you, you begin to start learning how to love even people who you think don't like you. Firstly, how do you even know they don't like you? It's time for us, TSP, it's time for us to grow. You see, you know, it will shock you to know that there are certain things in your life that are not moving forward just because of this one factor. There is no capacity to hold these things. I'm telling you. The number four, prayers. Hey. See, I, I, want, you to, I want you to learn how to pray. I was discussing with, I think it was the leaders and the workers. I told them, I said, listen, this year, I made a decision to pray more than I've ever prayed. I prayed in my life. I prayed. There were periods in my life where I fasted. I told you before, I fasted for one whole year straight. Every day I was fasting. So I've given myself to prayer and I know what it can do in people's lives. But when you pray, especially praying in tongues, if you pray in tongues here, take that, cherish that as a blessing and a gift God has given you. Because when you're praying in tongues, you are praying about things you don't know you are supposed to pray about. Did I say that right? You are praying on matters you don't know you should be praying on now. Because many times when we approach God, you come to God with the pressing issues of your heart. House rent. Heartbreak. I'm not joking. And I'm not downplaying these things. They are real pains. It may be burdens of different kind, but God may be showing you something else. That's why when you pray in tongues, you set out the deep things of God by praying in the spirit. He says, who knows the things of God except the spirit of God? So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are able to set out the deep things of God. When you pray in tongues, sometimes praying in tongues helps me to know what I should start praying in English. Because when I pray in English first, I'm using my mind to pray. There's nothing wrong with using your mind to pray. But sometimes when you pray in tongues, you, 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 then, you, you now begin to have certain impressions in your heart. That's why Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, Whatsoever things you desire, hey. then it now says when you pray. It says, therefore I said to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, Use the King James. It says, whatsoever things you desire. So, so when you have a legitimate desire, it means manifestation time has come. You didn't hear what I just said. It means that if, if there is something burning in your heart, you, 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 you think about it this morning. In the afternoon, it comes up again. In the evening, it comes up again. That's a desire. It's a pointer to go and pray. Because your prayer doesn't, it doesn't make God create it. But your prayer is positioning you to receiving. So therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things that you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. God told me today, he says, Phil, you are going to midwife some people here today into their harvest seasons. Now, there are some of you who sense that certain things are supposed to drop now. You know that this is the season of certain manifestations in your life. And God sent me to you today. That I am pushing you into those harvests. I'm pushing you into those manifestations. 
I'm pushing you into those Lay your hands on your neighbor. Come on, pray the Holy Ghost. Give myself away so lose your hands. Listen to me. You know, you know what the spirit of God is telling me. The Holy Ghost is telling me that some of you will leave here with the spirit of grace and supplication on you. That is the unction and the anointing to pray. It is spiritual capacity that you are building. Because you are not going to run on your energy. You are going to run on the energy of the Holy Ghost. You are going to run. 2023 is coming to you. Uh, but it's bringing goodness and mercy your way. But there is capacity to deliver and to receive all that God has for you in the year. It's not a carnal thing. It's not a carnal thing. And I, I prophesy upon someone here tonight, I, this morning, I don't know who you are, but welcome to your new season. Enter into your harvest now. Enter into your harvest now. Now, hey, take time this year. Invest in the word. Open the scripture. What does God, God's word say about me? This is not a year to be carnal. This is not a year to play spiritual things number two. You play spiritual things number one this year. Number one. Number one. The Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. The Bible goes on to say, it says, these things do the Gentiles seek. But it says it will be added to you. As you spend time in God's word, you begin to see the day star dawn in your heart. All of a sudden, that light that became as a glimmer of hope, it will become bright as the sun by 12 noon when it's the brightest. It, the word of God just begins to come strong in your spirit. And you know that I can never be the same again. You know. You know. Meditation on the gospel. Hey, Kalebo 2023, build capacity. 2023, buy books, read books, 
Christian literature, not just novels. I don't know the name of I wish I could call the names. No, read books. Spend time to grow your spirit, man. Read them. Since you were born again, you've never even finished one book. It's time to grow. You're giving attention to fellowship. You're giving attention to the breaking of bread, community, unity. You're giving attention to prayer. Praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, building up yourself on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Number five, you're going to do this year. That scripture I read to you in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 is actually about giving. If you read verse 6, it's telling you that you should give to the one who blesses you in the things of the scripture. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6. So the context to which Galatians 7 is speaking is unforgiveness. It says, let him who taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So the context of this scripture, whatsoever a man sows, he will reap, is actually about giving. So this year, keep on giving. Listen, you are, you are, I, I know it feels like there is nothing good that can come out again because it feels like some resources are dried up. But listen, God knows how to bring the widow after the water brook is dried God knows how to change your source God knows how to give you capacity he says be fruitful multiply replenish the earth what does it mean to replenish it means to give again after the earth has demanded from you you keep on giving and you keep on giving and you keep on giving you are never tired of giving you keep on giving do not be weary for God cannot giving and please don't get me wrong I'm not just talking about money I'm not just talking about money I'm talking about everything whatever he leads you to give you give is generosity whatever because God does not owe any human being he will never owe you keep on giving Ooh, hallelujah oh for you are glory this concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.